Okay, good morning everyone. Good morning. Um, it is good to be here this morning and it's good to be speaking. Um, so, uh, this morning we're going to take a look at some Bible verses. That's always a good place to start. Um, thank you. Um, and then I'm going to draw a couple key points from those. Um, one that's specific to the verse and then a broader principle. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then we're going to pray. Does that sound good? Yeah. yeah? Good, because that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I think before we go ahead and look at these five verses, it would be good to just pray. So if everyone would just get to ask you to pray quick. Lord, we thank you for um, the ability that we have to gather here on Sunday mornings. We thank you that we, we can come to hear from your word and to worship you. And God, I pray that you would just use me to speak to each and every person's life this morning, God. I pray that you would just open everyone's ears and hearts to hear what I'm saying and what you're saying to them, God, and that you would just use me as your person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So let's get stuck in right away. So if you've got your Bible, um, would you turn with me to Matthew 6, 25, um, and that's all the way through to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Okay, so while you're finding that, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, um, I just want to explain where we are in Scripture. It's always good to look at the context for where we, where we are, what we're looking at, what's going on around it. So, um, here in scripture, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Um, he's uh, potentially a large group of followers around as well. Um, and he's actually in the middle of giving his um, Sermon on the Mount, which is a very famous um, group of passages, um, most commonly from Matthew. Um, and they've got a, a lot of well-known teaching, a lot of very well-known teachings in them. Um, so in this specific section, he's talking about worry. Jesus is talking about worry um, and fear. So, uh, if you're in Matthew 6, let's go 25 through to 34, and we'll focus in on some ideas. I think it's going to pop up on the screen. Um, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Yeah. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will not he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need yeah. them all. Yeah. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Yeah. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, so um, these verses all together here speak to one particular issue which he's addressing, and that's worry, right? Um, specifically in this circumstance over material possessions. Um, and the things of this world, right, which we need. Um, you know, he says they're necessary for survival. We need clothes, we need food, we need drink. Um, so we actually see over and over and over again in the Gospels that Jesus reminds his followers to not worry or become distracted by the things of this world or the snares of life. Um, the same theme pops up time and time again in Jesus' um, messages, actually. One, no one notable example is the parable of the sower, which is where Jesus talks about the soils and how people's hearts um, can harden it. And he compares the hearts of those who fall away from the gospel due to cares of this world um, and the pursuit of money as rocky soil. So he talks about it again and again and addresses it as an issue. 
Um, so we see that in that example, the worldly desires, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of these things, even things that we need, can drag us away from where our focus should be, right? It's about our focus, it's about where our focus is and what our priorities are. So in this example, that same idea is repeated. Um, so yeah, first point of today is don't worry. That's a, that's a good place to start with that. Um, and that's not to say don't fulfill your duty of care to yourself, your family, your house, you know, make your mortgage repayments, buy your food, do all of those things. But um, it's about the mindset behind it. Where is your focus? Where is your priority, right? Um, and we all know, I hope, that God is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, right? Yeah. Everyone with me on that? Yeah. Okay. So those are just those are simply the realities of who God is. They're not just concepts that are totally detached from day-to-day -day life. It's not like when you learn algebra at school and you're like, okay, but this is never going to apply. Right? <laughs> Sorry if there's any maths teachers. But these are genuine realities, right? That it, that these things should really affect us. God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-loving, right? And those things actually have an implication. And um, they're, they're, he's, this is God right? He's the great I am. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of the universe, yeah, yeah. Um, and the one who came and died for us on the cross. And that's the same thing God that we're talking about. So Jesus is telling us not to worry um, about all these things, and the implication is, therefore, do not worry about anything that we need in life, um, all those things that we're prone to worry about often. Because we are prone to worry as people. That's just our natural disposition. We're like, well, what about tomorrow? What about this? What about that? But Jesus says no. He says, trust in the Lord your God, because he knows that you need these things. Um, he, he essentially says, God takes care of all of these aspects of his creation. So why would he neglect you? You know, the one that he, he's adopted into his family through faith in Jesus. Um, so yeah, we need to remember these three aspects. That he's all-powerful, all-loving, all-good. He hasn't forgotten about yeah. us, right? And he's totally capable of doing more than we could possibly hope or imagine. And that is a really good thing to take away. So know that he hasn't forgotten you. I mean, if that's something you're struggling with, you can come to God and you can lay it down. Right? In those nine verses we read, um, from 25 through to 34, Jesus says directly, do not worry, three times. Okay? It's in nine verses. So that isn't potential advice that we could take if we feel like it. Right? That's actually a command. He says, do not worry. Yeah? So therefore, you know, we need to take that as a command. We need to be serious about it. We need to consciously choose to not worry. We need to consciously lay it down, come before him and say, look, God, you know, if, that, if that's what you're struggling with, I'm sorry for that. I, I'm sorry for worrying. I come to you, lay it down, and then progress with your priorities in the right order, knowing who God is and trusting in Him. Okay, so we see that God knows how damaging worry is to us, right? It distracts us. It, it, it takes us away from our calling, uh, what, what we're called to do. Um, and what is that calling is the next question. Um, and that brings us to the second key point that um, I wanted to make. So in Matthew 6.33, that's in those verses we read, towards the end, um, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So we're not only given something to avoid, right? We're actually given something to pursue. So he tells us specifically in this verse to avoid worry. And he actually then not only tells us that, he tells us to chase this thing, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, and that's the focus of my message that I want to bring today, is on that verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, and the reason I want to focus so much in on this point um, is to emphasize um, that, that if we're just told one thing not to focus on, we could then go away and focus on a whole bunch of other things that don't matter, right? But he tells us specifically this thing to focus on. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of things that aren't anxiety or worry that we can easily focus on. But he tells us the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
So he tells us to strive towards these. He gives us a tangible goal that we should be seeking first, and that's good. Um, so he doesn't leave us floundering. Um, okay. So yeah, in this context we've already looked at, he's uh, directly addressing what um, of the material things in this life. Um, he's making sure that our priorities are in the correct order, that we've got everything lined up how it should be. Um, but he go, it goes so much more than beyond this one topic, this principle. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's, that's a, that, the way he says that, seek first the kingdom of God, that's applicable to every area of your life. It's not just applicable to worry. It's applicable in everything. Right? We should be seeking, wherever we are, in our schools, in our, um, in, you know, in, at home, at work, wherever you are, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, and that's what we should be seeking. That's what we're commanded. So what does it mean, then, to seek first the kingdom of God? Right? Well, we're, we're going to look at what it means to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those are the two key things. So before we can evaluate our own lives to see how we measure up, we actually need to understand what we're talking about. Um, and so let's first of all look at this word seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. Um, and this word in Greek um, that Matthew was writing in, because the New Testament was written, most of it was written in Greek, um, and the word in Greek is zeteo, that's Z-E-T-E-O. Um, and that means to seek after, to desire, and to endeavor, right? So it's, it's an active verb, it's not a passive verb. You, you can't sit back and that, you think that's seeking. You have to pursue it, you have to chase it, you have to seek. It doesn't just come to you. Um, and we need to choose to do this daily. We need to choose daily, today I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because he said, give your priority to this. He said, this is important, seek it. He said, this is the first thing you should be seeking in your life. So daily, it's a choice. You have to get up and say, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to put everything behind that. I'm going to have my priority in the right order. So what does that actually mean, this kingdom of righteousness? How can can we seek a kingdom that is unseen? How do we pursue a righteousness um, when we're so prone to sin and failure, right? So let's look at the kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. It can't be seen, it can't be travelled to, it doesn't have a currency, it doesn't have a passport. So, how do we seek this kingdom is a legitimate question. And I think we need to understand that um, a kingdom, by definition, is where the rule and the reign of the king is. Right? That's what, that's what a king, kingdom is. So just as in any earthly kingdom, God's kingdom is where the rule and the reign of God is. Now, obviously, God, there is, God is sovereign over all in creation. Right? He's ultimately the king of everything. Um, but when Jesus is referring to the kingdom of God in this specific situation, he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. He's referring to the saving rule and reign that he would bring into the world and into the hearts of those who believe in him. Right? That's what he's bringing in. He's saying, seek first this kingdom of God. Um, and this kingdom of God it is, through, um, it is, a, is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of those who believe. So seek that first. So, um, yeah, it's this redemptive rule and reign. So the question then we should ask ourselves is, does God rule and reign in my heart? Does God rule and reign in my life? Does he have the authority? Does he have authority in my life? Do I give him um, what he is due? Do I? Does he have the correct placement in my life? And that's a serious question. Does God rule and reign in your life today, church, or does or do you rule and reign in your life? Who rules and reigns in your life? Who makes the decisions about what you do and where you go? Um, and is this rightful place to rule and reign? We need to understand that, right? Because otherwise we can get twisted. Okay, is this rightful place to be the ruler and the reigner? Okay? He's the king. He's the powerful, unending, infinite, perfect, glorious God yeah. um, who is holy and sent his son to die for us. Right? And our response, even just those characteristics, should just be to fall on our knees and to recognize his majesty and his rightful rule in our lives. Right? Yeah. Um, but not only this, 
If you're a Christian today, that is someone who has turned from their sins and put their faith in Jesus, then, that, uh, then he has bought you with his blood. It's an illegal purchase. He's purchased us back from the power of sin and death that it had in our lives, and he has made us um, his. That's what it means to redeem. We say he's redeemed us. It means he's bought us back. Right? He's made a payment on our lives. Um, and he paid the ultimate price on that cross. He laid down his whole life to purchase us from the power of sin and death. Um, so now we are his, right? That's, you know, we sing that in songs. You know, we are his. Um, and what that means is we've been set free from sin and death and we've been brought into his family, but we've also, he's bought us, right? We are his. Yeah. Bought by the blood. So if anyone has the right to be king in our lives, it's the one who was and is and is to come and the only one who can save us and the only true God, right? And we call him our Lord and Saviour, but have we recognised that he is Lord as well as Saviour? Okay? That's the question. Because you can't separate those two. Lord and Saviour go together, right? The Jesus we put our faith in to be saved is the risen Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we have to have an understanding of who Jesus is in order to put our faith in him. For example, if you think Jesus was just a man, you can't, his death couldn't take away your sins. So therefore you can't, you have to have that level of understanding of who he is. He's the son of God, right? That's how he can take away our sins. So we need to have an understanding that um, Jesus, that we invite to be our saviour, we also invite to be our Lord, right? Um, to allow his kingdom to rule and reign in our hearts. Um, and what that means practically is that we don't get to do it how we want anymore, right? Uh, you know, Jesus prayed himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, right? And that's not to say that our desires will never line up with God's. It does not to say we'll never have a, a, a desire that lines up with God's. God gives us desires sometimes um, so that we can seek after him and those things. Um, but if our flesh can be drawn towards sinful desires and attitudes, right? It can be really easy to be drawn to those things. It can be it, to respond a certain way to, to people, to, to live a certain way, to act in a certain way. Um, and our flesh can be drawn to that, but we're called to lay that aside in order that his will will be done in our lives. Just as Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, Father. Right? And that's a, that's a, a model prayer for us. It's not my will, God. It's not my will, God, but yours. So, if the kingdom of God in this context is the rule and reign um, in the hearts of believers, that means to seek this kingdom is to desire and to pursue God's reign in every area of our lives, right? But also in the lives of others. That's another thing, right? When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, also in, also in the Sermon on the Mount, um, it's in Matthew 6, verse 10, the first, thing he, the first request that he teaches them to pray is, let your kingdom come, right? That's the, it, it, he says, he recognises who God is in the prayer. He says, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy are you God. And then he says, let your kingdom come. So the first request that Jesus says to make of God is, let your kingdom come. Um, so the priority that he teaches there is that God's rule and reign would be established in our hearts and in the hearts of others. Right? Um, and you know, that, that can involve evangelism as well. That should motivate us. If we want God's kingdom to come, we need to spread the gospel. Right? We're, we're one of the methods that God uses. So reach out to those people, share the gospel with them, that, and if they respond to that, then the, the kingdom of God has come into their hearts, right? And his yeah. rule and reign has been established. Yeah. So, yeah, and teach fellow believers, right? That's all part of discipleship. Teach fellow believers to allow God to rule and reign in their lives. That's what it is. That's, that's what this means. So, um, that's what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God, right? Everyone clear on that? Yeah. yeah? Good. Cool. So, Jesus also then says to seek the righteousness God. Um, so let's take a look at what he means by that. 
the righteousness of God. So this righteousness that Jesus talked about is very closely linked with the kingdom, right? The, the rule and the reign of God in our hearts. Um, and I don't think we can fully separate the two. I don't think you can have um, you can have the kingdom separate to the righteousness um, or understand one without the other. And I think that is probably why Jesus included them both um, under the same umbrella, right? He doesn't say seek first the kingdom of God and second his righteousness. He says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's a pair. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I think we can't ever separate these two fully, right? They are, they're, they're different, but they have a lot of overlap. So, firstly, what he says is seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it's God's righteousness that we're called to seek, right? We're not called to seek our own cheap imitation of God's goodness, um, but rather the righteousness and the holiness of God himself. So what does that look like in our lives? Well, God is so infinitely holy and perfect and in every way that we could never possibly hope to meet that standard of moral perfection by ourselves, okay? We fall, we fall short of these standards all of the time, and that's what sin is, right? It's falling short of these standards of God. And because he's so infinitely perfect, our failures are infinitely weighty before him, right? And our, our sins are like a form of treason against the king of the universe, and that's weighty. So these sins deserve death and hell, um, but that would be the just punishment for our rebellion against the holy, perfect Lord of Lords. And then, it, don't worry, it gets better. Um, <laughs> um, in fact, we're, we're so tainted by um, our natural, you know, we're so tainted by sin in our natural selves before, before we put our faith in Jesus um, that, that the prophet Isaiah even says in Isaiah 64 verse 6 that all our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? That's how, you know, before our good deeds, all of those things that we, that we think are righteous, um, are so tainted by our inner sinfulness before we put our faith in Jesus that compared to the holiness of God, they're like filthy rags, right? That's the reality of the situation. So it doesn't look good for us by ourselves, right? It doesn't. We couldn't do anything. As Pastor Paul was saying about, um, you know, we're talking about communion. It's a free gift. We couldn't earn it. We haven't done anything. We can't get to that standard. It's impossible. So don't even try it, right? Um, but praise God that He knew that we could never hope to meet that standard. He knew that we could never do it ourselves. So he offered his own son into the world. Um, and according to John 3.16, I'm sure a lot of you know that one, um, whoever believes in him, uh, whoever places their faith in him to take away their sin, that's what that means, um, shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? So, you know, when our faith is in Jesus and we believe that he's taken away our sins, we, we trust what he says, um, then whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, and that's the free gift of God. That's that's received through faith in, in Christ's death and resurrection, um, but believe that your sins are forgiven through his shed blood, right? We're called to repent, to turn from our sins, um, and to run the race that's set before us. Um, that's in Hebrews. Um, knowing that in Christ, we've been freed from the laws of sin and death. Yeah. Yeah? We've been freed, we've been set free, we've been set free from all of those things that ensnared us before, all of the, the weights that, that held us down, the sins that we had before God that we could never hope to erase by ourselves. All of those things, we've been set free from them. Um, and we now have a new nature, and we have eternal life. He's, you know, um, Paul talks about in the Bible, in, um, I think in Romans, as I've been crucified with Christ, and it's now no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Yeah. So you have been, if you're a Christian this morning, you have been crucified with Christ. Your old self is dead and gone and buried, and you have been resurrected to newness of life. Yeah. There's been a, a miraculous inner change in you that you could never hope to accomplish by yourself. But he has done for you. You were crucified with him on that cross, and you have been, um, and now it's him who lives within you. It's Christ who lives within you. Um, and that's the gospel message, right? The good news of God. 
that if we turn from our sins to Jesus, if we put our faith in him, then we're adopted into the family of God. We're saved, and if we continue in this faith, uh, we know that heaven is our home. Um, and at the end of this message, there's going to be an opportunity, if you have, haven't before, to give your opportunity, uh, to, to give your life to God in, the, in that way, to respond to this good news, to respond to this gospel. Um, so when we do this, when we respond to the gospel, we become righteous in God's eyes. Right? We become fully righteous. When he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his son covering us. Um, he no longer sees our sin. He no longer sees those things, with our failures. He sees his son. Um, and it's a free gift of God. And that's what it means to be justified. If you've ever heard that word, you know, I'm justified before God, that's what it means. It means that when he looks at us, he no longer sees any sin. He just sees the righteousness of his son. We've been made hope like perfect before God because of his son. So he sees, he doesn't see our sinful, sinfulness anymore. So that's the first thing we need to be aware of, right? Is that we're literally not expected to be able to live up to God's standards by our own strength in the first place, right? He totally saved us and it had nothing to do with us. So that's one aspect of this righteousness that we're called to see, right? Is this faith in Jesus, right? So that's a, that's a good side place if you've never done that before, is put your faith in Jesus um, to seek after this righteousness. Um, so there's another aspect of this righteousness, though, that we're called to see. Um, and that's the daily living out of this inner work, right? Because you've been crucified with Christ and you've been raised to life again, but you need to live that out daily. Because although you know our spirit has been totally, like, has been, we've been born again inside, we still live in a, a body of flesh and we still have a soul, and these things haven't been perfected yet because we're not in heaven, right? And so we need to daily choose to put these things to death and choose to live out of that place of the inner change that's happened, right? Um, so we've been, we need to do every day, we need to every day choose to lay down ourselves. We need to choose to die to self and live in his ways. Um, and that's what we need to understand, that you know, God has not only saved us from sin and clothed us with the righteousness of his son. That's, that's not the only thing he's done. And that would be amazing if he'd done that anyway. Right? That would be the best gift ever if he'd done that. But he hasn't only done that, he's also given us his Holy Spirit. Right? who then dwells within our hearts, and he enables us to live out that righteousness. Right? And this process of, is a gradual transformation. And it's lifelong. Right? We won't ever, we won't ever um, attain you know, exactly the same as Jesus was. We, we all mess up. I mean, it's a lifelong transformation though, of our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. The way we live out our lives. Right? And this process is called sanctification. Right? And that just means in, uh, like the process of making holy. Sancto in Greek, like hope. So sanctification. And so we've been justified, and we also need to be sanctified, right? So we've been made perfect before God. We've been made holy in His sight, but we need to live that out. And we need to help, uh, we need to, you know, put to death our flesh, the things, you know, the sinful desires, the sinful actions that we sometimes still perform. And we need to put those to death and then choose to live in the goodness of God, choose to live out that goodness in our day to day. And that's called sanctification. So the righteousness of God, then, that we're called to seek after, is this transformation in our daily lives, right? It's our, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our actions. They should begin to line up more and more daily um, with the character of Jesus, right? And, you know, as I say, it's lifelong, right? So, you know, a sign of a healthy Christian walk um, is if you can look back over a period of time, say a year, say a few years, um, and see some change, right? Especially since, you know, since you gave your life, you know, we're called to come as we are to Jesus. We can come exactly as we are, totally sinful, um, you know, with all of our mistakes. We can come to him as we are, but we're not called to stay as we are. We're called to be changed. We're called to trans be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? Um, from the inside out. We've been changed inside and we have to live it out daily. So, 
1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 um, says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And that's what it's talking about, right? The, the, the will of God is that you would be sanctified. You would be made progressively more and more holy in the way you live out your life. Right? And so if you want to know God's will for your life, and this is something people often wonder, what does what God want for me? This is an excellent place to start, right? Because it, it, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And 1 Thessalonians tells us, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So the, a good place to start, if you don't know God's will for your life, you, you, the one thing you can absolutely know with absolute certainty is that his, it is his will that you daily outwork the righteousness of God. Right? That every day we become more and more like Christ. Um, and this is why we're told to seek this um, righteousness first. Right? That's his will for your life. So this comes through the work of the Holy Spirit, um, and it also requires our participation in that. So the Holy Spirit will change our lives, he'll change our minds, our actions, our emotions, he'll help us to change those, he'll, uh, he'll be sanctified. Right? But it is possible for us to resist that. Um, and we're in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, another verse from 1 Thessalonians, um, we're warned, do not quench the Spirit. That's the, full, that's the full verse, do not quench the Spirit. Now what that means is that it's possible for us, as believers, um, to choose to act against the promptings um, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? Because to quench the Spirit um, is, you know, this word quench, you may have heard it with reference to fire or with reference to like hot metal when they're doing blacksmithing. And what happens when you quench something is you stick it in water and it, um, it, it cools it down. It, it suppresses the heat, right? So we're told not to quench the Spirit, which is when we suppress the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our life. So it's possible for us to do that. No, we shouldn't. But it's possible. So what we need to do is work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We need to we need to choose to obey His leading, His prompting, His change, and, and not resist it, right? Um, so yeah. So if there's sin in our lives, we need to repent. We need to confess our sins to God. We need to apologize, and, and we need to choose to walk by the Spirit going forward, right? We need to walk how He's called us to walk. We need to choose to do that daily. And so this is what Jesus means by the righteousness of God that we're called to see. Um, so I'm sure you can see then how there's some overlap between the righteousness and the kingdom of God, right? Because the kingdom of God is the rule and reign in our hearts, and when that's the case, you know, that, that comes with that element of righteousness, right? We've been justified before God, but we also need to be sanctified, right? Um, and so it's not exactly the same thing, but there's overlap, and that's why they're so linked. Um, so now we know what we're talking about, right? I hope everyone's got a better understanding of what we mean by the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what those things look like. Um, and we're commanded by Jesus to seek after those things, and to seek them first and foremost. Um, we're called to pursue these things and to actively seek them for our lives. Right? That's what we're called to do, that's God's will for us, is that we would seek those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, so we can, you know, we should, we can and should do that. We should absolutely be seeking after those things, we should be pursuing them first and foremost, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seek his rule and his reign in your hearts. Seek that he would have his entire way, that he would, it would be him and not you. You know, the, um, we, we, we must decrease, he must increase, I think as Paul says. And what, um, what that means is that you know, our, all of our things that we bring with us need to go and he needs to increase in us so that we're walking out of that power. It doesn't mean our personalities get erased, it doesn't mean you know, any of that, we're still who we are. But he has, he's transformed us spiritually, we, we daily walk that out so that we're able to just live how God wants us to live. It's such a big thing. We see it all throughout scripture is this theme of living righteously. It's in loads of the Apostle Paul's letters, he talks about that. And it's such an important thing in the life of a Christian to, to be not only justified, but sanctified. 
to not only be changed inside, but to live it out daily, more and more every day. Um, and you know, and what that looks like practically is the Holy Spirit will bring stuff to your mind. The Holy Spirit will um, bring stuff to your to recollection that you're like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't do that. He'll point scripture out to you that, that perhaps will um, contradict something going on in your life, and you're like, oh, do I need to? I should bring that into alignment. You know, all of these things. Even even being told that you need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Holy Spirit could be moving within you right now, and you're like, oh, now I need to do that. Right? That's that's this process of sanctification. It's this becoming more and more holy in our lives. It's this gradual transformation internally. So we're called to seek that. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign, the total um, surrender to God and the, what he wants, um, and to die to ourselves, right? That makes sense this morning? Yeah. yeah? Awesome. Okay. So um, I think it's also worth mentioning some things that we're not called to seek first, okay? Because I think often as Christians, we come from a good place, um, but we can easily have our priorities in just the wrong order. And we can forget that above all, we've been called to seek this rule and reign yeah. um, and this righteousness that accompanies that. So one thing we've already seen, um, you know, the, the, the thing that Jesus is specifically talking about in this context, um, is you know the things that we need: clothes and food and drink. We need them. That's fine. We can acknowledge we need them. We can get them. We can you know earn money at work to get them. That's all fine. But where is your priority? What are you seeking first in your life? Um, and so he says, you know, you need these things. That's fine. Trust God um, and Seek first the kingdom. Um, so, a few other things that we're not called to seek first, right? Something else, our comfort. We're not called to seek first our comfort, right? Comfort is addictive. Um, it's inherently uncomfortable to choose something that doesn't bring us comfort. That's what it means by definition, right? So, if you're not seeking comfort, it's uncomfortable. Um, but as Christians, because we're told to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, um, sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes that's not pleasant. We don't like it. Right? Um, we, so don't take the advice of the world, do what makes you happy, don't do that. Um, it's not comfortable to love as Jesus did. It doesn't make you comfortable to love like Jesus did, yeah. sacrificially, yeah. To, to, to give yourself away. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not comfortable, it doesn't make us happy to do that sometimes. To forgive those who have genuinely wronged us, right? to let go of that, that's uncomfortable. We don't like it, right? but if we're called to do it. It's not comfortable to say no to our desires when they don't line up with scripture. Um, but Jesus tells us that if we're to be his followers, um, we must do this. We must daily die to ourselves. He says in Matthew 16, 24, um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So denying ourselves, taking up our cross, this is hard language, right? This is uncomfortable. Um, and it's to lay aside our comfort, our desires, our wants, and to chase after him. Right? That's what it means to, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. That's what Jesus had to do. He did not. He said, "Not my will, but yours, Father." And then he took up his cross and he walked. And it was a, it was a brutal, it was a humiliating death. He was paraded through the streets. It was a criminal's death. He was naked. It, he was whipped and scourged. It's an uncomfortable thing, but we're called to it, right? And we're called to take up our cross and follow him. And it's not comfortable. So don't let anyone tell you that the, the Christian life is easy, okay? Because it's uncomfortable. It's hard. Um, you know, it's to be willing to forsake all of the stuff that we have, that we lay claim to, um, in order to pursue him. So, that, you know, that could mean, eventually, that you lose friends. It could mean you get alienated from family, your jobs are at risk, right? And, uh, but we're called to, you know, our lives are at risk. In some places in the world, you, you get killed, right? North Korea, China, all of these places. You can get killed for the gospel. And we're called to be, not, we're not called necessarily to 
you know, willingly choose those things, but we are called to lay aside our own desires and pursue God. And if that results in those things, so be it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't say that those things will happen to us, but he said we have to be aware that they could and be willing to chase him anyway. That's what it's about. Um, it's not comfortable, but it is seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. Um, and I think a quote that summarizes that quite nicely um, is from a famous pastor um, and a theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may have heard of him. He was, um, he was actually around in the 30s in Germany. Um, and he was executed by the Nazis because he opposed Hitler. Um, so he, was, he had a lot, he wrote a lot of books um, and was quite famous. Um, and he, so he personified this quote really well because he, you know, he died for his faith, basically. Um, so he says, to become a uh, wait. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die, right? And if we're called to life again, but we're called to die to ourselves. And that's what he means by that. We're called to die to ourselves and choose life in him, right? So I think that nicely summarizes the call of a Christian's life, right? Yeah. To die to ourselves, to lay aside those things we hold on to and to chase them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that quote. That's, that's one that is it's, it's weight, but I love it. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die, right? Die to yourself, and that's that's a good thing. It's a worthy pursuit, right? We're called to it. Um, another thing we're not called to seek first is people's blessing. We're, we're sort of coming towards it. Um, we're not called to seek people's blessing, right? We're called to be accountable to God. We one day we'll stand before God and give an account for our life, right? Mm. And we do well to remember that in our lives. Um, that, that I think that should instill within us a healthy fear of God, which I think society is lacking that one day we will stand before a holy God and give account for our lives. Um, so don't just go along with what, pe what people and what society is telling you as well. Don't just go along with what people are telling you is kind or loving or valuable, right? Um, study the word, find out what God says. Does God say this is pure, loving, valuable, pleasing? What does God say about it? The world has messed up perceptions of right and wrong, I don't know if anyone's aware of that. Um, and what truth is, right? You only have to spend five minutes on the internet to figure that out. Um, so seek after God's opinion and know that you're accountable to him before anyone else, yeah. right? You're accountable to God first and foremost. Seek first the kingdom of God, not seek first the kingdom of the world. Um, and I think one other thing that we can make a mistake of as Christians is seeking aspects of Christianity above all else, right? We can, we can seek these things that accompany Christianity um, and put them actually above the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I think a, a, a couple of them. Um, it's not seek first the presence of God, right? And that's, you know, this doesn't mean the presence of God is bad. It, the presence of God is good. Um, it doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy being in God's presence. But where's your focus? You know, where's your priority? Do you revolve your life around seeking the presence of God? Or do you seek first his kingdom and then let the presence accompany that, right? Um, you know, his rule and reign in our lives, his righteousness, to walk according to how we're called. That's, that's what we're called to. I think, you know, often we can think we need the presence. Um, but if we're in the presence of God, and then we go away living completely unchanged lives, did we need the presence, or did we need the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Do we need that rule and reign in our lives? Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, are you living from Sunday to Sunday looking for the presence of God, when we should be living for the rule and reign of God in our lives 24-7 in the week, right? Um, and one other thing we can seek is, we can seek um, above the kingdom and his righteousness, um, it's like signs and wonders and miracles, right? These are good. I, signs and wonders and miracles are great. Love them. Um, and I don't think anyone would deny that they're really good. Um, but seeking them first can be a problem, right? I think, um, you know, it, it, you can just see it in sort of broader church culture across, across um, the, 
like across all churches around the world, um, there can be a bit of a, a seeking of things like sci- uh, of like tongues and healings and prophecies and all of these things, right? Um, but we're called to seek first the rule and reign of God in our lives. And it doesn't mean we, we can't enjoy those things, we can't live them out and, and all of this. But what's our priority in our life, right? Do you live day to day looking for those things, or do you live day to day looking for God's rule and reign in your life? And the, the church in Corinth, in Corinth um, had a problem with this, actually. They had a lot of emphasis on spiritual gifts, too much emphasis. Um, and Paul, had, you know, Paul, writing 1 Corinthians, he was addressing that um, in, some of, in some of what Christ Corinthians. He was talking about how like, it's better to have virtues like love than it is to seek after these gifts, um, you know, it, constantly. So I, th- I think, yeah, certainly those things are good, and he talks about how they're good. But where's the emphasis? Where's your focus? Where's your priority? So, yeah. They, they can accompany the kingdom of God, but, you know, certainly an outbreak of the kingdom of God in people's hearts. But our focus should be seeking after his kingdom and righteousness. Okay, so let's be people who seek after these things just as we're commanded to, right? Um, if you know, you know, if maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you now, you know, maybe, you know, actually, my priorities have been out of order, right? Come to God in repentance. Um, say you're sorry for not obeying this command um, to seek first his kingdom and righteousness and go forward with your priorities in order, right? Live that changed life. Um, so let's go ahead, um, earnestly desiring, seeking, pursuing God's rule and reign um, that it would be established in our hearts um, and the hearts of the others on this earth. Right? Let's seek those things. That's what we're called to do. That's what, that should be our priority. Yeah. So let's seek after the sanctification and in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, deny ourselves daily and follow Jesus. Right? And it's hard, but we can do it in his power. So let's be conformed more and more to his likeness and seeking these things first, above all that. Okay, so I'm going to bring this message to a close in prayer now. Um, I'm going to pray two prayers, okay? One is a prayer that you can pray um, along if you haven't already put your faith in Jesus, right? Um, and, you know, this is, this is an opportunity for you to say, actually, I recognize that I've sinned, and I want to come before Jesus uh, and, you know, put my faith in him to be saved. That's what it is, to be saved. So, yeah, yeah everyone's going to repeat after me. Um, if, you, if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus and turn from your sins, just pop your hand up at the end um, while everyone's eyes are closed, um, just so that we know and we can come chat to you about the decisions you made and all of that. So yeah, and then we're going to close with a general prayer after that. Okay. So every, everyone, close your eyes. Um, bow your heads, get to an absolute prayer. Okay, repeat after me as well. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. We recognize that we've been sinful. And we come to you in sorrow for that. Lord Jesus, we put our faith in you now. Um, and ask that you would just totally transform us. And we thank you that when we put our faith in you, we're justified before the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. And what we kind of that was um, if, if, if you just decided to put your faith in Jesus. Okay. Um, and now let's just end with a general prayer and then I'll have back to pass the book. Okay. Um, so Lord God, thank you that you um, that you transform us and it, it's by the power of your spirit that we can live out the way we're called to live. God, I pray you'd help us to daily die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, and to choose you above all else. Help us, God, to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Help us to help us to put our priorities in order and to choose you first and foremost in our lives. 
Um, I pray your blessing and your protection over each and every person here, God. I pray that the word would just take root in their hearts and that they'd be transformed by it. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would bring conviction where necessary and you would help us to just transform more and more daily into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name.